If you have a Bible, turn with me to the the uh, the book of Acts. I'm reading a uh, a book by by G. Campbell Morgan today, and uh, it's, I just started. It's a, it's a fascinating book. If you ever have an opportunity to read read uh, any of his writings, because especially the the older guys. I think it was Pastor Raw that told Pastor Manny, if you're going to read anything, read the guys that are dead. Read the guys in the old time, you know, the ones that didn't have the TV, the social media, the internet. They just had their Bible um, because they're, they're the purest. They're the ones that are just were, were, their hearts were so connected to the Lord. And so anyways, uh, he tells this story about being a Christian or he recounts a story about being a Christian. And he said that in Antioch, Acts chapter 11, when Christians were first called Christians, that it was a derogatory term that it was a term given as a way of disdain, as a way of like, yeah, they're the, the, the Christians, you know. But today, it's, it's a title that we, I pray, um, are proud of, huh? That, 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 um, that we're proud of and, and that we recognize the responsibility behind what it means to be a Christian, the grace that comes behind, the blood, uh, the sacrifice, um, uh, the responsibility that we have now to reciprocate that love. And so... Today we're going to be talking about the, the topic of fellowship, um, what it means for Christians to get together. Um, we're going to be looking at the what, the who, the where, the when, and the why. Those are the five W's that you ask when you're trying to look at something and understand it more closely. But if you're in the, in the, the gospel, or the, I'm sorry, the, the book of Acts chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 40. Um, the, the title here of my Bible says, A Vital Church Grows, and that's exactly what it's talking about here it's the, the the birth of the church the new testament church a pentecost the holy spirit had just fallen upon the church thousands were being saved and here in acts uh, chapter 2 verse 40 it says and when ma- many other words he testified and exhorted to them saying be saved from this perverse generation that those who gladly received this word were baptized or gladly received his word were baptized and that day about three thousand souls were added to them and they continually steadfastly in the and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among as anyone has need. And so the four things, really what we want to concentrate is on Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The four things, doctrine, the, the word of God, right? that we would be in the Word of God and that the Word of God would be in us. Um, fellowship, which is the privilege of being able to fellowship with God and, and, and with each other. We're going to really touch on fellowship. The third one was the breaking of bread, which represents communion. When we get together and we uh, observe communion together, it's a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's the time to ask for forgiveness. It's the time to thank Him for His grace. It's a time to ask somebody else that we've offended to forgive us before we take communion. The breaking of bread, the remembering, the contemplating, the appreciating. And then prayer, which is conversing, right? I like to, to, to think of prayer when we pray. A good way to remember is remember the acronyms of Acts, which is adoration, which is thanksgiving, which is confession and supplication. The New Testament church here persisted faithfully in these four things. Um, some have called them the four pillars of the church, the four things, doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. A good visual to imagine is a, is a four-legged stool. Pastor Manny always gives that, 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 that visual huh, of a table with, with four legs, and, and that's a, a good picture to, to keep in your legs. I think we have a picture there of a, of a, of a, a stool with four legs, and you see communion and prayer and, and doctrine and, and fellowship. But if you cut off any leg, even if you just cut off a little piece of it, uh, what will happen to that stool? What will happen to anyone sitting on that stool for that matter, right? It'll come crashing down. It, it falls. And that's what happens when we take anything away from these four pillars of the church because it's the recipe for a healthy church. There's a reason why God gave us this, this recipe for, for a healthy church. If you consider the text there in Acts, it tells you the account of Pentecost, which is when the Holy Spirit fell upon the new church, when the church was, was baptized, when the Holy Spirit came to them. And, and we read that Peter quoted from the prophet Joel when he prophesied for God 
And he said, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on the flesh. It's Joel 2.28. So the first thing that we have to understand that, that the church, us, it's a God thing. We are a God thing. It's his institution, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that for we were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so these four pillars, the doctrine, communion, prayer, they're, they're more easily understood, right? We, we, we know that there's, there's books and books written about the word of God. Um, we know clearly what it means to be in communion. Uh, we, we have multiple books, studies on the topic of prayer, all important things. But there's a, almost like a, an ambiguity when it comes to, to fellowship. It's, it's church terminology. You ask a non-church goer where do they fellowship, and they kind of look at you funny, huh? What are you talking about? Where do you fellowship? But for us that come to church, for us that have been around the church, it's, it's, it's common. Where is the study going to be held? Oh, it's going to be held in the fellowship hall. Okay, I'll meet you there. Right? It's church terminology. You know, the sisters in the church say, come on, girl, let's go do our nails and we'll fellowship together, all right? Um, but we, we we're starting a church basketball league or a softball league, and we ask someone, do you want to join the fellowship there? It's something that we say uh, all the time. Churches even often um, have it in their name, right? Living Word Fellowship, Word of Faith Fellowship, Whole Word Fellowship, Logos Fellowship. One is just called Fellowship Church. Nothing wrong with that. We are a fellowship, but we want to look closely at what the New Testament says about what the word fellowship is. So we're going to be using the five W's, the what, the who, the where, the when, and the why. So we start with what. What exactly is fellowship? A general definition is sharing something with one another, sharing something with a person in a deep way, a a friendly relation and companionship and association of people with similar interests and and taste. Uh, The word fellowship in the Greek is the word kononia. It's found 20 times in the New Testament, once in the Psalms, Hebrew. And it's usually translated fellowship. But it's also translated communion, distribution, and participation. It comes from the Greek word koinonos, which refers to a partner, an associate, a comrade. I was reading a Mexican translation of the Greek, and it said compadre. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Um, really, fellowship is participation. It's social interaction. It's communication. It's distribution. We, we become so familiar, guys, with certain words that they, they don't seem as important anymore. Or the same can be said for taking a word out of context for so long that it begins to lose its meaning. Fellowship, what exactly is it? Out of the four things that were given there in Acts 2.42, it seems to be the most vague, huh? Um, and yet, there it is, just as vital for growth. Um, in fact, fellowship, if you think about it, is sown into the other three. It's sown into pray. We pray together. When we pray together to our God, we're fellowshipping with God and with each other. We're praying for each other. We're in fellowship. When we're in the word of God together, we're in fellowship together. When we're, when we're observing communion, we are in fellowship together. So it's sown into the three other things that it gives us. And so what is now Who? And so looking at the word fellowship from the lenses of the who, what, where, and why, the answer to who, who can fellowship, is simply believers. You tell someone, do you fellowship, they don't even know what the word is, but if you tell someone, do you, where do you fellowship, they know exactly what you're talking about. They're talking about a church. You went to fellowship with these friends, they know exactly what you're talking about. And so the, the people that have the privilege of being able to fellowship is believers. We were talking to an individual last night that uh, was telling us about uh, their spouse. And they were just saying that, that the, the, the spouse communicates something totally different than, than this individual that we were talking to. And they're on different wavelengths, you know. Some of the things this individual we were talking to, he says, and, and, and the spouse doesn't understand, and vice versa. The spouse says things that to him are worldly, and he doesn't understand. He can't guide with it. Um, and so only, only believers can fellowship. The, the, notice the word they in Acts chapter 2.42. Who's that speaking of? It's speaking of those who were saved. It's speaking of the church. If you continue reading in Acts uh, 
chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, it says, Now all who believed were together, and had all things, notice, in common. Verse 45, And sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among everyone that had need. And that's kind of a touchy situation. Before the service is over, we're going to be collecting wallets, purses, jewelry, valuables, pink slips, deeds to your homes. And we're locking the door to make sure we get it done. Um, th- this, this was for this time. This was the beginning of the church. In fact, I was even hearing a couple of pastors who were saying that they don't even know this was God's wisdom. So this is for today. But before the service is over, we will give you your wallets and your purses back. Don't worry. Acts 2, 46 and 47 says, So continue daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking bread from house to house. They, there's a the word they again, ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, notice, daily those who were being saved. So it's talking about believers. We are the ones that can fellowship. And yet sometimes as believers, we take that word so superficial that we don't obey and we're not in true fellowship. And so the, 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 the what, the, the who, the where, and that we can be divided into two questions. Where does it start? Where does fellowship start? And question number two, where do we fellowship? So where does it start? That's a great question. It starts with our relationship with God. Watch, do me a favor. Turn to the uh, first epistle of John. It's all the way back. It's after uh, Second Peter in your Bibles. First John. I want to be able to read it together. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4. It says in 1 John 1 through 4, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you, that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship, or there's a word fellowship, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I don't know if you've noticed, if you picked up on it, but what John is emphasizing here is a life. Look look what it says in verse 1, concerning the word of life. In verse 2, it says, the life was manifested, declared to you the eternal life, it goes on to say. It's talking about God. It's talking about the life with God, the, the, the sharing that we get to have, the fellowship. One God and, and, and three people, the life of the Father, the life of the Son, the life of the Spirit. It's something that we say a lot, guys. But because it's true, Christianity is not a religion. It's not. It's a relationship. We get to fellowship with God, and that's where it has to start. Now, it's interesting to think about that John was mature, at this point. And when I mean mature, I'm trying to be kind. He was old, all right? He was an older man. He was probably way up there, all right? He, he got, you know, the hookup at Denny's, okay? Uh, he got the special. He was old, but he was mature. He was weathered. He, he, he had seen the progression of the church, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so notice, at the end of the first century, John doesn't write to the church about healing. He doesn't write to them about doctrine which is important or speaking in tongues the, the the nature of worship casting out demons no he writes to them about fellowship true fellowship starts first with god guys he's the source he's the well of fellowship in first john 1 verse 3 it says that which we've seen and heard we declare to that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We get to fellowship with God. Isn't that an amazing thing to consider? 
It has to start there. I'm sure you've heard this analogy of the arms of the cross, right? The, the, the vertical and the, the horizontal. I think we have a slide here. The arms of the cross have a, a, a vertical and they have a horizontal, right? You guys see that there, right? The, the, the vertical represents our relationship with, with God. It's the one that's going straight up. The horizontal represents our relationship with each other. Notice which arm is longer, which line is longer. The vertical one, huh? It represents our relationship with God. If that line is good, then all the other relationships should follow. They should be good. Someone said Christianity first is, is individual, one-on-one, -on -one, and then social. It's communal. The horizontal, the shorter line on the cross, represents our relationship with each other. Right? The horizontal arm, it's also important, but it's a byproduct of our relationship with Christ. If fellowship didn't start with God, and it just started and ended with just us, then it would be a, a strict social club. There's a Cuban uh, club, if you guys have noticed, that's like they rent it and stuff like that. It's a, it's a Cuban club where they get to fellowship with each other, but that has nothing to do with the spiritual. They're, they're fellowshipping, they're hanging out with each other, they're associating with each other because of their nationality, because of where they're from, and, and that's fine. But if we as a church do that, then it, it, it loses all its meaning. We have another slide that I want to show you real fast that gives you a picture of, the, of that, if that line was kind of messed up. You notice now that the vertical line is shorter and the horizontal is longer. When our relationship with others is more important than our relationship with God, something is wrong with our view of the cross. We, we come together as believers to fellowship with God first. He's the source. He's the topic. He's the reason. We come together as believers because we first come together with God. If you care more about coming here to shoot the breeze with your friends, if you come here to hear the latest chisme, if you need a translation, see me after, then your horizontal arm is longer. And there's something wrong with that. That's not the cross of Christ that we see there. Right? You won't be on the same wavelength as someone who approaches fellowship through the fellowship of God first if your horizontal arm is longer, if you're just here as a social thing, if you just are here to shoot the breeze because you've got nothing else to better the two. And so the question number two is where do we fellowship, right? And that simply is everywhere you can. Everywhere you can. You have to be careful that you just uh, don't call fellowship fellowship when you're with someone. Um, you call it fellowship when it truly is fellowship, but you do it whenever you can, everywhere you can. As Christians, we associate fellowship with food, huh? don't we? Um, especially here at Calvary Chapel Almani, we, we love the grub. Huh? And I would say that food is a great ingredient to fellowship. The, the Jews um, considered eating together as something very intimate, very personal. If you, if you bring to mind that they would eat pita bread, huh? the, the, the Jewish tortilla, and, and, uh, and they would dip it. They, they wouldn't have their own dipping plate of, of, of extra virgin olive oil, right? They would dip it in the same one, double dipping and everything, right? That's intimate. That's, that's fellowshipping. That's, that's, there's something intimate about that. But just because food is very special, it doesn't automatically mean that we're fellowshipping when we're doing it. There's nothing wrong with eating together, right? We encourage you to get together, to build relationships where fellowship can develop but only call it fellowship if, if God is present. Now, I could hear someone ask, well, if Jesus is in me, isn't he with me in every conversation? Well, Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I would say, yeah, it's true, you're right. He should be. He should be in you. And if he is, every conversation, every relationship that you have, especially with one another as believers, it will be infused with Christ. Even if you're talking about something else, Christ will come in somehow, some way, because Christ is in you. So you can definitely fellowship over food. But let's be real. How, how could we you know, be spiritual about getting our lashes done sometimes? No, no offense, ladies. They look great. Okay, how, how could we fellowship about you know going and getting our nails done and talking about oh look at the girl the color, 
You know, I mean, how do you fellowship like that? I, and as a guy, same thing. You know, I love basketball. I'm a Lakers fanatic. Okay, uh, I know you feel bad for me right now. Um, and I talk to some other brothers who also love basketball. We talk about the playoffs. We talk about trades. We're talking about all all the things that are going on. But how do you frame basketball in terms of true fellowship? You can't. I could be talking to a brother. We're both saved. We both love the Lord. But if we're talking about basketball, we're not fellowshipping. We're talking about fellowship. We're talking about basketball, right? One word closely related to fellowship is relationship. That's the, the foundation for fellowship. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So there's something about being together. We need that. There's, there's relationship and fellowship. But fellowship starts right when you bring God in. If you're eating and talking about the things that God is doing or showing you, then I believe that that can constitute as fellowship. If you're grubbing and talking to someone about an issue in their life or you're talking to them about an issue in your life and biblical verses, biblical advice comes out of that conversation, then I believe you're in fellowship. If you gather together with a bunch of brothers and you're talking about a family that you love, that, that, that you know is going through hard times and you pull your resources together and you come up with a plan to help them, that's fellowship because it's, it's spiritual. But it's hard to do when you're trying to fit a double-double in your mouth, huh? So, you know, be careful. Be careful with calling uh, fellowship uh, just going out and eat or talking about different things. In fact, I would suggest in a natural way, not where it's forced, but that because Christ is in you, that somehow Christ comes out in that conversation. On Sundays when you go out to eat, talk about the study. Talk about what the Lord showed you. Go out to eat because there's some people who come and they leave and they don't, you know, fellowship. Go out. Take those opportunities to go in fellowship with each other, but talk about what the Lord showed you or what the Lord is doing in your life. If you just come here to hear Manny's teaching, it's anointed. I do. I'm here all the time to hear Manny's teaching. If you just come here to, 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 to listen to Angel or Erlen or Cynthia's angelic voice, so do I. Okay? They, they, they draw us into worship. Who doesn't want to hear beautiful music? Gifted musicians lead us in worship. We follow along with that. But if you don't come here with the intent of fellowship, then, then I would say you're missing out. You're missing out on the relationships. You're missing out on the deep things that God wants to do. You're missing out on prayer. You're missing out on the opportunity to be able to pray for someone or ask them or hold them accountable. For the life of me, I can't understand those who claim that they're Christians and don't have a home church. Why? Be, be leery of that. If you're talking to someone and, 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 and you know, they seem to be believers and they're talking and then you ask them, where do you fellowship at? And they say, well, I mean, I don't go to church. Why? Why, why is that? For the life of me, I, I can't understand. And they would say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I am the church. Have you heard that? You know, I am the church. And others would say, you know what, I don't really like organized Religion. Skip Isaac said that when people tell him that, Skip Isaac's a pastor, um, he tells them, well, what kind of religion do you prefer? Unorganized you know, religion? Right here, when we read the, the, the account of Pentecost, it says that 3,000 were saved. So sometimes we, we say, oh, that church is too big. And, but 3,000 people were saved in that church. And if you say, I don't have to go to church, you have to consider the fact that the Bible teaches us that Jesus went to church. Huh? The Bible, a.k.a. God's word, encourages us to go to church. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so, as so much the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus said in Matthew 18.24, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of so right now, no offense, anyone watching on live stream, unless you know your back is out or you just gave labor, why aren't you here? We should be together. We should be in fellowship. We should take the opportunity to meet in the fellowship hall, who for us is the foyer, right? Praying. We're praying for, for a fellowship hall. We're praying for a church. But nevertheless, we can fellowship. That's the reason why, honestly, man, we have the, the coffee car out there. That's the reason why my wife makes keto coffee. You should try it. It's really good. 
is for an opportunity for fellowship. It's so that we have something that we're holding and talking to each other about. And hopefully we're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about the things that the Lord has shown us through this study. That's the only reason. I pray that you understand that church attendance is something special. It's a gift from God. We shouldn't take it lightly. One person recounted that on an early Sunday afternoon after church, they were headed out for a walk around the neighborhood and a man was trimming his grass along the sidewalk. And they greeted each other with the usual, hello, how are you? And in a negative tone, the man replied, it's just another Sunday. And so when this individual went home, um, they, they, they pondered what the man meant and they thought to themselves, was he just saying, I'm just doing my chores, just going through the motions? And I pray that we don't view our Thursdays or our Sundays or any other day the Lord leads you here as going through the motions. But instead, we recognize the fact that God brought us here, that God wants to do a work, that we are a family, so to speak, as of believers, and we should not be able to wait in anticipation of what God wants to do, what he wants to show us. It's okay to come to church looking to receive. We all need it. But we should also come to church looking to give. I remember there's a, a pastor that, that said that he went to go speak at, at a, another church as a guest speaker, and he was in the back, and in the back they had cameras. And one of the assistant pastors says, look at that lady that's coming through the, first, the front doors. And the man looked up the camera, and sure enough, the lady came in through the front doors, and he said, observe that lady. And he said, well, he did. He looked at her, and the lady stopped. And she looked, and she was scanning the room. She was there for a minute or two. And the assistant pastor says she does that every Sunday. She's not odd. She's not weird. It looks a little weird. But what she's doing is she's scanning the room, looking for an opportunity to who to minister to, who to fellowship with. What if we did that? What if we had that heart to say, Lord, show me who I can fellowship with. Show me who I can minister I know that some of us are shy. I know that, that, that for some of us it's difficult. I know that for some of us we have these walls that we've built up over the years of protection because we've been hurt in the past, but we are all in the same boat. None of us will be surprised by your stories. In fact, if you knew my story, you wouldn't want to talk. Like Pastor Manny says, if you knew my story, you wouldn't want me to talk to you, and if I knew your story, I wouldn't want to talk to you, right? Because we're all jacked up. We're all messed up. We all need grace. And so we got to be open. We got to let those walls down. We got to be willing to fellowship. Did you know that many true fellowship opportunities start by serving? If you guys aren't serving, I would encourage you to serve. I, I just think of some dear sisters who have been coming in on Saturdays that help clean the church for years. And they don't know that, but to me, it's a blessing to see them praying with each other, to see them counsel and encourage each other in the Lord, to see them talk about their families biblically, encouraging them, don't give up, keep praying. That's amazing. That's an amazing because that's true fellowship. And that was birthed through serving. And so we covered the what, the where, now we're going to cover the when. And so the same as, 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 the, as the where, right? It's a, the short answer is all the time. We fellowship all the time. We should take the opportunity as believers to fellowship all the time because we've been adopted into the family of God. We can all share in His grace through Jesus Christ and be united in the Spirit. As Christians, we're able to share spiritual fellowship with other believers since we've been brought together in the common bond through the blood of Christ. It's interesting. When, when the, the, most of the Greek was, was written in the coin, called Koine Greek. And if you look at that word Koine, it comes from the word Koinos, which is basically it means common. And so we have something in common. We have Christ. We have the blood. We have his forgiveness. We have grace. This allows us to have sweet fellowship among each other as brethren. We can be united in the spirit and be like-minded in Christ. Not sometime. Not just on Sundays. Not just on Thursdays, but all the time. I have a, a brother's man who texts me all the time. And they're jokesters. They send me jokes, but, but at the same time, they're sending me scripture. They're asking me. What does this mean? That, even through text, we, have, we live in such a, 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 a busy country, a busy state, that sometimes we're just like, I just don't have the time. But man, let's use technology for, for, for our benefit. Be, be in fellowship, even if it's just through text with someone. Be sending each other scriptures. Be, be encouraging each other. 
That's fellowship. Philippians 1.5 says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so we got to continue in fellowship. When? All the time. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent with you. When you serve in ministry, you get tired. You get tired. You're always here. I'm not complaining, but, but it's busy, and yet there's always something going on. There's a, a privilege of being invited to a party, to a wedding, to something, to a function. And sometimes, man, your body's beat up, and you're like, I'm tired. I just want to sleep. But every time you go, every time I go at least, you never regret the fellowship. There's always sweet fellowship. And we should look forward for opportunities to fellowship, not just some of the time, but all the time. The New Christian Church, uh, the, 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 the Christians in the New Christian Church, the New Testament Church, they are a model because they were always together. Acts 4.23, as Peter and John were released from prison, what did they do? And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They were together. In, in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, as God was working miracles through the church, through the apostles, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all, noticed with one accord in Solomon's porch. It, it shouldn't be just a place where we see each other on a Sunday. We should look, to, uh, look for opportunities where we can fellowship. If there's functions, we should make sure that we're there so that we can fellowship together. Because it's important. David Gusick had some practical descriptions of why we should fellowship with other believers. He said, we share the same Lord Jesus. We share the same guide for life. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship Him. We share the same struggles. Amen. We share the same victories. We share the same job of living for Him. And we share the same joy of communicating the gospel. We share so much. You ever talk to friends? Oh, sorry. You ever talk to friends or family members that don't share these things in common with you? Be honest with you. I mean, we love them, and of course it's an opportunity to share the gospel, but it can be grieving sometimes. It can be tiring sometimes because we want so much for them to know the truth that we know, and it just seems so simple, but it's just the, the hardness of the heart doesn't allow it to penetrate. Why? Because we don't share the same things. And so therefore, because we do share things with each other, we should be constantly sharing. Why wouldn't we, open, we be open to fellowship with other believers? Why? Try, try asking someone. If it's hard for you to fellowship, try asking someone how they got saved. How did you get saved? What work did the Lord do to you? How did he bring you out of the mire? And that just opens the conversation to be able to get to know someone better. And then at the same time, it ushers in God into the conversation. And again, that's fellowship. Try it. I know that some of us can be shy, but just try it. How did you get saved? And they'll tell you. Hopefully they don't have like a three-hour testimony. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they, they, they're able to share their testimony. They're able to share what God has done. And you then are able to share what God has done in your life. And then that's the beginning of, of a sweet fellowship. And if you ask them how did they get saved and they look at you funny, well, then share the Lord with them. Because more than likely they don't. Another word closely related to fellowship is the word companionship. God created us to be people who are dependent on God and interdependent upon people. A couple of verses to consider, Genesis 2.18, where it talks about the marriage, right? It talks about Adam being lonely and it would be no, no good. God says that's not good. But it also shares some truth. It says, and Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him, comparable to him. It is not good that man should be alone. And Proverbs 18.1 is a great verse to remember. It says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own destruction. He rages against all wise judgment. We're not to isolate ourselves. It's interesting. Sometimes we feel more comfortable talking to our friends and our family in the world than we do with each other as believers. If that's you, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I would ask you to check yourself, to ask yourself, why? Why do I feel more comfortable talking to my unbelieving friends, to my unbelieving family members than I do the family of God, to the church? Why? Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. That's specifically speaking, yes, of the world, but it's also speaking about each other. I, I, I beg that you beware of individualism, where, where self is a centerpiece. We are to put others before ourselves. Isolating ourselves demonstrates selfishness, and this will hinder our spiritual growth and our spiritual impact upon this world. What does Galatians 6 2 tells us? It exhorts us as believers to bear each other's burdens. Christians should never isolate themselves from one another. They shouldn't. Nothing is more dangerous. And in order to advance the kingdom of God, we need the assembly of believers working together to accomplish God's work. This is uh, Greg and Robin's favorite verse, Ecclesiastics 4, 9, and 10. What does it say? Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. If, If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help. Yesterday we were talking to an individual who was basically saying, I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. And, 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 and I knew that the right thing to do was to pick up the phone and use my lifeline and call the brother. But something evil was telling me not to. And he did, thank God. That's what we're to do. That's the benefit of, of being able to be in fellowship. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so this leads us to the last W, the, the last question, the, the why. And, and the first answer to that is because we have to. Uh, again, fellowship isn't a luxury. It's not something that we can you know, take or leave. It's not. It's a, it's a necessity for us as Christians if we're to be a healthy church. Jesus prayed to the Father that we would have it. Watch, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. In verses 1 through, um, let's see here, 5, Jesus prays for himself. In verses 6 all the way to verse 19, Jesus prays for the disciples, those that were walking with him, those that he was sharing his ministry with. But in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? Who's Jesus talking about there? He's talking about us. We came to believe through the apostles' doctrine, through the word of God, through those letters that were written, through the word of God. It says, For I have given to them the words which you have given to me. I'm sorry. That's not it. That they may be one. I'm sorry, verse 21. That they may be one as as you, the Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me, and that the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one. Notice repeatedly one just as we are one and i and them and you and me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me it says father i desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where i am that they may behold my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world O righteous father the world has not known you but i have known you and these these who us have known that you sent me and I have declared to them your name and I will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Sweet Jesus, what is he praying for? He's praying for unity. He's praying for fellowship. He's praying for us to be one. How can we do that if we're not together? What if we all says, you know what, I, I'll do my religious obligation. And again, no offense to anyone that's watching for live stream. If you're just watching it for the first time, if you're sick, if you can't get out, if you're, you know, whatever. Praise God, you're here with us in spirit. But if that's just your custom, that I don't need to go to church, I can listen to studies, I got this, I got that, but then how are we going to be able to be one like Jesus says we should be one? Wow. I don't see it. It's not a, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. He desired that we be one. He was praying that we were one because he knew that we needed each other. He had that fellowship with the Father, with, with, with the Spirit. And he knew that that was vital. He knew we needed that fellowship with, with God, with the Godhead and with each other. Church, man, I don't need to tell you because some of you guys are going through the fire, but we're going to face 
some challenges. We're not immune to, to the, the, the things that are going to happen in this world. I would say, in fact, some of us are going to, as Christians, face more challenges because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get persecuted, sometimes, sadly, even from our own family. We need to be there to lift each other up, to challenge each other, to remind each other of the promises of God. Paul the Apostle captured the essence of fellowship perfectly in Romans 1, 11 through 12, when he says, For I long, he says, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. That I long to see you. God puts us together to lift each other up, even if it means we have to share difficult truths with each other because he tells us to do it in love. We're not in a hostile place. We're in a place where, yeah, we have to be truthful with each other, but even that is done in love. It reminds me of a story that I heard where a little boy named Johnny came running into the house after school one day shouting, Daddy, Daddy, I got a hundred in school today. That's great, replied the father. Come and tell me about it. And so Johnny went in and he says, well, I got 50 in spelling, 30 in math, and 20 in science. Some of you guys didn't get it and others are still trying to do the math. That's okay. As a church, every single person falls short. Amen? Right? Sometimes we just get 50%. Sometimes we just get 80%. By the grace of God, sometimes we hit 90. Well, we're never going to have 100 you know, we need grace. We need fellowship. We need each other to lift us up. God has put us together here to persevere through life, guys, to lift each other up. Paul did that in, in Galatians 6, 9, and 10 when he wrote, and, I, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He was telling the church, don't give up. Don't quit. Pastor Manny reminds us the only way of losing in this Christian life is to quit. It gets hard sometimes. It gets difficult. Sometimes you don't want to leave. You don't want to talk to anyone because you're hurting inside. But that's precisely what we need to do. In those moments when life hits you, pick up that phone. Visit that friend. Ask for prayer. Ask for accountability. Ask for guidance. We shouldn't view fellowship as I have to. We should view fellowship as we get to. We get to fellowship. One of the most important parts of fellowship is our opportunity to serve. And so that's where the word stewardship comes in, the responsibility that we have as, as believers. That is an overflow of, of, of fellowship. As believers, we come together in fellowship, and if we do it correctly, we can be good stewards in the area of exercising our spiritual gifts to help strengthen the church. In Romans 12, 5 through 8, you can read that. We don't have time. But in verse 6, he says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. We can exercise. We can be good stewards with the things, the gifts that God has given us if we're in fellowship. Another thing to consider is giving to the work of God. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 12 tells us that that's our responsibility, that we are, it's biblical to give to the work of God. Be wary, you know, of those churches where they're wearing, you know, the $5,000 suit and, the, and, you know, the, the pastor takes off in a jet. Use wisdom. But if you see that it's a sincere church where God's work is being done and the kingdom of God and God's blessing it, then, man, by all means, it's biblical to be a steward and give. That is, that is fellowship. Ministering to the saints. That's covered in Romans 15, 25 and 26 and 2 Corinthians 8, 4. We're to minister to each other. We're to be here to minister to each other. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Giving to hospitality. We should be looking. There are people here that are, I believe have the gift of giving because whenever there's a need, you see an envelope, no name, this is for this family, this is for this situation, this is for that. That's fellowship. That's being good stewards of the gifts that God has given us and that overflows through fellowship. Searching the scripture together. Hey, let's look. Last night we have a men's fellowship and the rule is to, to finish at 8.30 because we want to be mindful of people's times. Wives are waiting, kids are waiting. But man, yesterday we were there at 845 and we were just, Abel taught a great study on, you know, the lukewarm church and we were just fellowshipping in the circle, talking about the scripture. And it was 845 and we're like, we got to go, but it just, you felt like you just wanted to be there all night. That's the overflow of fellowship. Adrian Rogers told the story of a little boy that went into a drugstore pharmacy and asked if he could use their phone 
the little boy called the local grocery store, and when the grocer answered, he asked if he needed a stock boy. The grocer said, no, we already have a boy. But maybe he's not working out, he said. Maybe you've been thinking of replacing him, the little boy said. The grocer said, no, the boy we have is great. We don't want to replace him. He's a keeper. The little boy said, okay, then. Thank you, Mr. Grocer. And so the pharmacist, who was eavesdropping, uh, said, I'm sorry, kid, that you didn't get the job. The little boy said, no, sir, I have a job. I work at the grocery store. I just wanted to see how I was doing. <laughs> and so tonight, tonight is an opportunity for us to, to check on how we're doing. Tonight is an opportunity for us to ask ourselves, how are we doing in this area of fellowship? Some of you guys are healthy. Some of you guys are just, man, I, I envy the fellowship that you have with one another. But there's some of you that come and you leave. You scram. That the only time you see each other is is on Sundays and it's just a high and bye and see you later. We are going to be fellowship in heaven for the rest of our lives. And you might say, man, I don't know. I don't really get along with that person. I don't know about them. I don't know about them. Get over it. You're going to be in heaven with that individual for the rest of your life. Get over the pettiness. Look for ways to fellowship. Look for ways to, to, to exercise this gift that God has, has given you. Should we fellowship? Is, is fellowship an option for us as Christians? No. There's repercussions of no fellowship. If you don't fellowship, there's no accountability. Right? With that verse we just read, two is better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if one falls, one will lift them up. If you're not fellowship, how can anyone lift you up? There's an increased vulnerability to the attacks of Satan. We're susceptible to, to Satan's condemnation, to his devices. Have you ever seen those shows where there's animals and the lion is just ready and he's hunting and he's chasing the elephants? And the elephants, what they do is they gather in a circle and they put their young ones inside. But one of the time, some of the times the young ones just get, they go their own way. And who does the lion attack? Who does he go after? The ones that are isolated, the ones that are by themselves. There's a tendency to compromise and fall back to sin when we don't have someone there holding us up, encouraging us. The guy that I was talking to last night, same thing. He wanted to, but what he did is he picked up the phone and he called the brother. The brother prayed for him and encouraged him. What would happen if we didn't have fellowship? You wouldn't be challenged. Proverbs 27, 17 again. So as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. How do you do that? How do you rub against metal when the, the one metal is over here and the other metal is over there? You can't. You'll, you'll, you'll hinder one's spiritual growth because the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who may be able to teach others. You're going to hinder your own spiritual growth if you're not here because God works through people. He works through us, believe it or not. There's not going to be no spiritual encouragement from others. Sometimes we need that. It's the story of Johnny. You know, I got 50 and 30. We need that. Hey, way to go, Johnny. You know, we all need that. And, and number seven is you cannot exercise one spiritual gift to encourage others. First Corinthians 12 tells, speaks of one body, but many parts, many members, all with different purposes and gifts. We're one body, but there's many members. And if one of you is missing, have you guys ever sprained an ankle? Like you, you think of an ankle and you're like, what's the big deal, right? I still got my, my leg. I still got, you know, it's, it's just a little, little piece of your your leg, but man, sprain an ankle and you see how much you need it, right? You're limping around, all of a sudden your hip hurts because you're putting too much you know, weight on one and you're all messed up. It's the same thing with the body. If, if you guys miss, guys, you guys are ripping off the church, so to speak. You're stealing from the body and we're not to do that. Fellowship is a necessity to a healthy church just as much as doctrine and prayer and communion. So in closing... I heard an analogy one day that just stuck to me and I wanted to share with you. The huge redwood trees of California amaze me. I'm going to Yosemite for my uh, nephew's wedding and I can't wait. We're going in through uh, the south side where I heard is where the big trees are at and I just can't wait. I'm going to have my wife all nervous because I'm going to be driving going, oh, look, yeah. And she does not like that, believe me. But I can't wait to see those trees because they are amazing. The, the, the largest living thing on earth and the tallest trees in the world, the redwood trees, some of them are 300 feet high and over 2,500 years old. Look at that, that diagram that we have of the trees. See that? Look at, look at this man right there. 
You guys have been there, right? If you haven't, you should go. It's an amazing sight to see. And one would think that these trees are so large that they must have this tremendous root system that reaches down hundreds of feet into the earth in order to hold them up. But not so. The redwoods have a very shallow root system. If, if, if one was to go down on his knees and, and study and examine the redwood root system, you would find that all the roots are intertwined. They're locked with each other. They're locked to each other. See that diagram? It's not a deep root system. They just all are, are, are combined. When the storms come, when the winds blow and the lightning flashes, the redwood still stands. Why? Because they're covering for each other and they're not alone. The trees support and protect each other. Each tree is important to all the other trees in the grove. The same is true for the church. When we are united, nothing, nothing is more important. Nothing more brings strength. Nothing more makes us more usable than true fellowship. I was talking to a brother the other day and I was asking him what he did on Mother's Day and he said they went out to eat, typical thing, right? And, and then he did some other things but he ended up at a, at a brother's and sister's house and they, they got out the guitar and they started worshiping and they started praying. And I just thought, what a beautiful thing that is. Imagine if we all did that. Imagine if on a Sunday we just spent the day in fellowship with each other. That's the way it used to be. But now we're just so busy to, to race back to this, to do that, to get back to our TVs, get back to this, get back to that, when we should take advantage and be in fellowship. I want to encourage you to do the same thing as this brother that I was talking to, to look for opportunities to fellowship. There's opportunities here. The church is the hub of fellowship. It's not the only place to fellowship, but it's the hub. It's where we come together to fellowship or to then leave and fellowship more. It's not just Sunday. There's, there's men's fellowship. Ray talked about the, the men's retreat. God, I, I pray that every man that has never been to a retreat would invest and go because you'll not, you won't come back the same. You'll be blessed by the study. You'll come back a couple of pounds heavier because of the food. But the fellowship, the fellowship that you have up there. There's, there's women's fellowship. I want, to, I want to encourage you to take a, a, you know, advantage of that. Go. There's young adult fellowships. There's single fellowships. There's fellowships all the time for you to be a part of, for you to get to know someone, for you to fellowship deep. I would encourage you to fellowship with God first. It starts there. And then that spills over into your fellowship with each other. Your life, your walk, I would say others in the church will be so much richer because you made a decision to be obedient in this issue.